You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the clinical applications for bioactive and biomimetic products, as well as the benefits and challenges associated with these types of products. Our guest is Larry Clark, Director of Clinical Affairs and Marketing at Pulp Tent. Larry has authored publications and lectured extensively on dental materials and was the first non-dentist, non-dental lab member inducted into the American Society for Dental Aesthetics. Larry, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk today. Thank you, Phil. It's great to be here. Yeah, so you had a a previous podcast with us that covered really nicely um, why restorations fail, um, alternatives to traditional restorative materials, and and you very clearly defined bioactivity, biomimicry. So that's kind of a a good uh, prerequisite for this podcast, probably, and and the ones you plan to do ahead. Mm -hmm. So if our listeners missed that, feel free to tap into that one. That's called bioactivity and biomimicry. What's the deal? And And again... Larry Clark is an expert in this field, been in the dental industry for many, many years, and knows a lot about this. My first question for this podcast is, what are the clinical benefits of bioactive and biomimetic products? First and foremost, you know, <laughs> I, I get to explain this to non-dental people fairly often now, for, you know, as I fly a lot. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep it simple. Bioactive and biomimetic materials contain substances that you find in the tooth, like calcium and phosphate. In addition, they have fluoride. The tooth, uh, because of decay or because of pH issues or so on and so forth, is missing calcium and phosphate. And one of the beauties of bioactive materials, it can respond to what the body needs. So the body is always trying to come into equilibrium or into balance. If it loses certain ions or proteins or Uh, things like that, it's always trying to get them back. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to work towards what nature wants in that circumstance. So the clinical benefits of a bioactive material is when you you have a tooth preparation, you know, let's say for a class two, that tooth has been uh, demineralized to a certain degree because of things that have been done to it to prepare it for a restoration which we look at is meaning the tooth is hungry for what it lost. So bioactive materials contain the minerals, the key minerals, calcium and phosphate, of which the tooth lost. And so now you have a material that's not inert. Uh, you know, the traditional materials, as Jack Perkin calls them, are inert and passive. Um, and so they really don't do anything other than fill a space. And they look good and they have uh, great physical properties and things like that. But in terms of actually interacting with the tooth, uh, active and biomimetic materials have far more potential to interact with the tooth. And what we're really looking for is creating a seal around the tooth and in the tooth to prevent uh, secondary caries. That was a a great explanation, Larry, uh, for sure. The interaction that you're talking about I guess that is what's responsible for the long-term predictable clinical success of these restorations. Yes. What are we seeing in five years? Well, we're just not seeing the staining at the margins that we would typically see with bonded restorations. So that's, a, that's an indicator to us that there is li- there's less leakage. So that's what we're really looking for at this point clinically. Right. And, and that reduction in leakage is directly responsible for longevity of the restoration, as you indicated in your first podcast, that leakage was was obviously one of the main culprits to the failure of a restoration. 
So what bioactive and biomimetic products are currently on the market? Well, Phil, you have to look into different categories, not just into our subjects, which is restorative dentistry. And the fact is we've been actually using bioactive type products for many, many years. And uh, so, for example, let's take uh, mouthwashes that contain calcium and phosphate, which is re basic requirement for bioactivity. You'll find those in mouthwashes that are used oftentimes for serostoma. You'll find also calcium and phosphate uh, technologies in toothpastes used for desensitizing. You'll find it also in uh, varnishes that are used for preventive uh, procedures like uh, uh, different types, not just fluoride varnishes, but varnishes that contain calcium phosphate and fluoride. Uh, fluoride. Of course, the endodontic world has been enjoying the benefits of bioactivity through MTA, uh, bioceramics, um, you know, uh, Theracal from um, uh, Bisco, all of those, they're, they're very accepted in all of those realms. And so now what we're looking at are the restorative market and which would also include cements. Cements, there would be uh, pulp dent, dent supply, uh, Doxa uh, and Bisco, of course, are now in that uh, bioactive cement field. And then last but not least, of course, is the restorative market, which is where Activa is positioned and uh, now a new product from Parkell. So those would be the ones that are currently on the market. Okay. And what are the clinical applications for these products, generally speaking? For the most part, what, how are they uh, used in, in, the, in a routine restorative procedure? Well, in a routine restorative procedure, really they're used virtually the same as a, a, compos a composite material or even a glass ionomer. So bioactive materials can uh, play in both realms, if you will. They can work in the same areas that you would use um, uh, glass ionomers. Maybe the lone exception might be in some pe uh, pediatric uh, uh, situations where you've got young children, hypoplasia, that sort of thing, where glass ionomer uh, would certainly be the material of choice. Um, but for the most part, anywhere you can use a glass ionomer or, or a composite material, um, that's where you can use these new uh, bioactive restorative materials. So they can fit into any, virtually any kind of practice. Okay, so when you see the doctors, when you travel and you, and you do the demonstrations of these bioactive products that you sell, is there any learning curve specifically that the doctors need to deal with? Or um, like you said, is it just literally replacing what they're currently using with, it, with this material and doing the same thing? There's two learning curves <laughs> that I've experienced in the five years. One is, you know, trying to figure out what bioactivity is and what does it mean. And, you know, and the fact is, you know, uh, and this is a little off subject a little bit, but, you know, the, the, the real benefit of bioactivity is for the patient, not so much even for the dentist. You know, it's hard for the dentist to tell uh, what these materials are actually doing internally. What you're going to find is the, the dentist has to learn about the science, the benefit of the science, how it works with the tooth structure, and then the handling characteristics, of course. Uh, currently, what we have are high viscosity flowable materials. And many of the dentists really want uh, stiffer materials, you know, for forming occlusal anatomy and that sort of thing. So there's a learning curve in how to get uh, these heavy viscosity flowable materials to 
work uh, prudently in their practice, get used to the handling characteristics, do you uh, bulk fill, do you layer, do you use initial layers, shrinkage, shrinkage stress. And of course, these materials are a little bit different than the fact that um, these bioactive materials are dual cured as well. Um, so that uh, also brings in uh, another variable that the dentist probably at this point in time isn't uh, really looking at uh, very much. So the challenge is, you know, is one, understanding the chemistry. How does that relate to what you're, you're trying to achieve for your best outcomes? And then the other is, how do I make this work in my hands so that uh, I can be efficient and not miss a beat? So there, there's always, you know, I would say that uh, in the last couple of years, we spent more, we spent less time on the didactic, uh, less time talking about the science and the research and, and all that sort of thing, and spending more time on actually how to use these materials um, uh, through hands-on courses and things like that. That's been far more successful for us, I believe. So on those hands-on courses you discussed, Larry, is that uh, sponsored by Pulpten, and that's given around the country. And who is that given by, and and how do the dentists learn about those the schedule? Um, basically, you learn about all of this either from uh, our website uh, that contains all of the um, whether they're webinars coming on or their hands-on courses, lectures, etc. The other is uh, through your local dealers. Uh, all of the dealers are supporting uh, the Activa product uh, with education and with hands-on courses. And then um, we have many key opinion leaders in the United States and Canada that are uh, doing both lecture and hands-on because they too have realized it's you got to get it in their hands. You got to help them get comfortable with the material. Uh, first and foremost, and then actually the science probably comes secondary to that. But I think the primary way to find out is, um, you know, looking uh, through social media sites and also through our website. Yeah, so the information is out there, and that's great that uh, Pulp Dent really emphasizes education because this is certainly something that uh, dentists should know about. In, in a way where they understand the clinical applications and, of course, the science and, and what the long-term ramifications are as far as the longevity of the restoration. And, you know, what's the downsides? Are there any downsides? All this stuff is, is good to know. I assume some of these doctors have somewhat of a hybrid approach. They use some bioactive materials and some traditional materials. Is that Have you found that to be the case? Yes, and we're fine with that because, you know, really, at the end of the day, all we're trying to build is trust and confidence in the technologies. And so some people, you know, we've seen in five years where they may start out with the base liner and put their composites on top of it uh, because maybe they like the way that handles better than glass ionomer. Then we have others that will use a composite to uh, do the enamel portion of the restorations, but they'll use Activa for the rest of the uh, restoration. And uh, like many dentists, they'll, they'll look at the benefits of the material and then they'll pigeonhole it in specific applications, you know, like uh, repairing crown margins or, you know, uh, deep root uh, uh, carries restorations, anything around the bone, that kind of stuff, because Activa is very compatible in those areas versus uh, composite or glass ionomers. 
And and so, you know, some dentists, you know, they're very comfortable with the, the current materials they're using for restorative. So, but they like the idea of the bioactive for, you know, like maybe special needs, geriatrics, pediatrics. And, you know, so I've seen it, we've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there are there are practices that <laughs> they say, yeah, I'm only using Activa, but I, I suspect a large uh, percentage is a mixture. Uh, they're still using traditional composites and and a mixture of glass ionomer with Activa, you know, depending on their comfort zone. Yeah, I know that makes total sense. So um, we're going to wrap up this podcast, but the, we have another one coming up. And that's going to be about talking to patients about bioactive materials. And um, we're looking forward to that one. So until then, uh, Larry, thanks very much for your feedback. And uh, we look forward to you on the next podcast. Thanks, Phil. I look forward to it as well.